So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance MK. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing season three, episode six of The Other Way. In this episode, Jenny jo knows just what Submit's mom needs. Kenny, Armando, and Cassidy say goodbye to Armando's family. Ari has some tough news for Binium. Ellie considers her future on the island. And Alina announces her sanctions on Steven before even hearing the worst part. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dances, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe. And if you watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other podcast, Love After Lockup MK. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. H. How are you today? I'm fine, but that's mostly because I don't use Instagram or Facebook barely at all. And so I wasn't like torn away when they went down literally all day long. <laughs> Wait, they did? Yes. Facebook. I didn't even notice. <laughs> Instagram and WhatsApp were down all them. WhatsApp was like the biggest deal because, you know, we know this on the show in other countries, like WhatsApp is all they use for messaging and phone. All and right. it was completely down for the world for like hours today. It was crazy. Huh. I didn't even hear about that, but I will say that it is um, thundering and lightning here. Well, it was about an hour ago, and I temporarily temporarily lost uh, electricity for all of ten seconds. Sure, but it booted me off the Zoom class that I was teaching. So I was like, oh, oh yeah, I, I know. I love those those power outages are just enough to shut down your router and shut yeah. all your clocks off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, okay, but you know, this is what happens when you teach adults, not like children they aged. All, they're K all there 12. when you come back. Yes, when I come back, they're all there. And I'm like, wonderful. Thank you for sticking around. Well, you fell off, so I figured class was over. I just I just left. Yeah. Not oh, so much when yeah. you have adults. All right. Well, let's get started with this group. Um, let's start off with Kenny and Armando. Uh Kenny and Armando are still at Armando's parents' house while well, they're compound, and Armando talks to Kenny about his conversation with his dad. He's feeling pretty happy about a real conversation that he had with his dad. Armando is hurt that his dad may not come to the wedding, but he seems to understand that it will take time for them to accept his life. Kenny thinks Armando needs to read between the lines with Armando's dad being hesitant about attending the wedding. But Kenny also doesn't want to push the issue because he sees that Armando is generally pretty happy about the conversation and the progress, so he doesn't want to be a wet blanket. Armando agrees that he kind of said no, but still feels like things are moving in a positive direction. Later, Cassidy and Hannah go to a tailor with Armando's mom and sister to get a dress for Hannah. Armando's family tells Cassidy that it was a shock and very difficult uh, when they found out about Armando being gay because Armando at the time was married to a woman. Cassidy tries to reassure them that Kenny makes a wonderful mom as she was raised by him and he acted as both a mom and a dad and that she believes Hannah is in very good hands. They're all saying their goodbyes and Armando's dad has kind words for Armando and a gift of a necklace for Cassidy, which everybody's very touched by this and everybody's crying. But then Kenny kind of jokingly asks, where's his necklace? (laughs) 
But he seriously wonders if, you know, this seems too good to be true and wonders if the rug is going to get pulled out from under them. And he just hopes that Armando's dad shows up to the wedding. All right. So it seemed a little almost extreme to me that Armando's dad was buying Cassidy jewelry. Um, And so why do you think that Armando's dad, like, very clearly shows affection to Cassidy, like, really, really noticeably more than he does with Kenny. Um, well, I mean, I think part of it is just he knows how to do that, right? Like he definitely, mm-hmm. you know, knows like we talked about before, there's just so many women around here and he's like, yes, I know jewelry and presents and and that I, I know how to do that. And I'm, I'm comfortable doing that. And he's like, because it's almost like he can't decide with Kenny whether he should treat him like a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know where Kenny fits. And so one thing about like Kenny, of course, kind of puts this all on, you know, oh, he's homophobic and I don't think he accepts us and things like that. But I really just think it has more to do with him just being like, I don't know, what do gay guys do? Like, am I supposed to hug him? Does that mean I'm, does he, is he going to think I'm gay too? Like, I don't know how this works. I think it's more that than Kenny's fears. And it's just mm-hmm. much easier to be like, well, let me show him that I appreciate him by treating his daughter a certain way that I know is appropriate and like, you know, well received. Yeah. Yeah. It just it, I, I can see that, too. And, you know, I think Armando's dad is really trying to drive the message home that, you know, he accepts Kenny into his family by accepting his daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, you know, you're you guys are part of the family. Right. Uh, but I do think it is kind of awkward that it's like he very clearly is like favoring Cassidy and Kenny he like is just like, eh, I don't know what to do with you. So I'm just going to ignore you. <laughs> Yeah, but I think it's – I don't th- – I just think it's culturally like he wouldn't give a guy a present. Like I don't even think like if it was his daughter who was bringing home a, 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 a you know straight man, he wouldn't be like, well, here's this present I made for you. I don't think he would do that either. Like, Well, maybe that's why there's no straight men hanging around the compound. Maybe. <laughs> They're not getting any gifts. Yeah, maybe house. if he get, got them gifts and treated them like the women, then <laughs> – they would stick around. They'd stick around. Instead, it's like, well, I'll give your daughter a gift. Oh, here you go. Fine. Good enough. Like, but, you know, it's also, it, it, but it also seems like Cassidy is also just kind of better at connecting with them, maybe, um, yeah. in, in general, because we saw that, you know, we saw her have like a more in-depth, a more like, you know, emotional conversation with um you know, Armando's mom and sister in that dress shop than Kenny's ever had access to. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I just, I I just really think it has a lot to do with that family just being like, we don't know what to do with this guy. Like we, we don't know. Yeah, sure. But as always, they're here. All right. So let's go on. Let's move on to Ellie and Victor who are back on San Andreas after their trip to, you know, the hurricane trashed Providencia. So Ellie wants to talk to him because she's under the impression that he wants to move back to the island way before she's going to want to move back to the island. So they sit down in a cafe and Victor tells her about how much he appreciates her being there. But she calls the whole experience overwhelming, heartbreaking, and the worst thing she's ever seen in her life. She says she wants to support him, but doesn't think they can live there full time anytime soon. 
But Victor's pretty confident that if you kind of abandon your spot on the island and you don't go back right away, you'll lose everything to squatters and I guess maybe looters. I believe it. So Ellie says that the hurricane has like kind of changed the way things, uh, her outlook on things because she kind of had in mind that she was just going to be chilling at this beach bar that they were running. And now it's, you know, going to be lots of work, lots of putting things together, no power, things like that. Uh, She wants – so what she wants is she doesn't want to leave right away or do anything like that. She wants to put together – have a solid plan between her and Victor, a a solid plan of action. So Victor's suggestion is, well, maybe we'll spend like three days on and three days off the island and we'll use those three days to rebuild – to rebuild what they can of their house. So later on, Ellie wants to get some advice from home. So she calls her friend Hiromi. It looks like the this is the first time they've chatted since Ellie has been there. So she fills her in the details of how things look in Providencia and Victor's plans for the rebuilding. Ellie tells Hiromi that her preference is like pretty much to keep a home base in San Andreas and maybe just like commute to Providencia, maybe staying there for like one or two nights, which is less than the three she had agreed to earlier. Yeah. Hiromi says that sounds a lot like camping, which Ellie apparently very much hates. So she wants to be supportive, which brings Hiromi – this is when she thought it was the best kind of conversation to bring up the uh, Victor's infidelity. Uh, she wants to know if that's something that has come up and obviously not really, uh, says Ellie, since there's been so many other things going on. Um, and she hadn't thought of it till right now, but but she agrees. She has to think about it. She It has to be a thing that they talk about at some point. All right. So she talked a lot about – her, she mentioned it a lot of times, this beach bar that she wanted to run, right? And so yeah. I'll bring it into another one. I'm going to start my question. Uh, who is going to have the more successful beach bar, Ellie and Victor or oh, Corey I Evelyn? <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, hey, why is this starting to sound really familiar? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Ellie and Victor because Ellie actually has experience owning a business uh-huh. in the like food industry industry right so i just i would hope that she would be able to translate that to like their business now it's like Corey and evelyn i don't think they know shit about anything they just are like well people will drink booze you know like we will provide the things and people will come and they're definitely banking on their notoriety um from this oh sure uh show because that's the other thing too is a lot of people stop in just because they're like oh 90 day fiance like what else are we gonna do we're in this random small beach town like let's just go to that bar right that's that's fair that's fair i mean i would definitely say ellie has and it absent the hurricane of course ellie has yes, much more right. know-how um it wouldn't just be because evelyn and Corey definitely are the and we've all known people who I maybe tried this or at least thinking about trying it who are like think they know a lot about bars because they spend a lot of time in bars and that mm-hmm. doesn't really translate. It's like, yeah, but most of that time you're drunk. You're not like watching the workings of how the bartender works and how the invoices come in and things like that. But definitely the uh, I'm in bars a lot. Maybe I should just own a bar, right? Like yeah. it. And she did have a little bit of that where it sounded like Sounds like you want to hang out at a beach bar and not like work at a beach bar, which are two very different things. Yeah. I don't know. I think Ellie has a good work ethic. I think it'll be good. And it seems like Victor does too, right? He's not some rando bum 
like we've seen comparatively. I don't know. Maybe he is a bum. Like from what we've seen, he's he's been actually working. That's true. Uh, and he's been working at, you know, putting their house together. So even if Ellie has been sending him money, which it kind of sounds like I remember her saying that she did, but it was going towards building the house. So at least he was preparing something for her and she wasn't just sending him money so he could like live, you know, as something for the two of them to build together. Right. And I guess the other thing, too, is I always kind of mix up my, you know, East Coast, you know, Northern Mid-Atlantic work ethic with like other places because I go to beach towns and I'm always like dumbfounded that the people take it so easy. And I'm like, but. You could make so much more money. Why are you closing at three? I don't understand. Like, oh, yeah. Because right? that's the thing. It's like you've made your money by three. And it's like. <laughs> and they're just like shutting it. I'm like, but there's more money to be made. I don't understand. Why would you shut down right before the busy time? It's the whole like you work to live. You don't live to work. Now, that said, I usually go to the beach and then come back the next year and those places are closed. And it's like, yeah, because you didn't make any money. You just like worked to like, eh, well, I have this bakery. I feel like like I, the one that was the one that got me. It was a bakery and they had like all these really actually good stuff. Right. Uh-huh. And they opened at 11 o'clock a.m. And I was like, why if you're a bakery that makes like croissants and stuff, are you not open for breakfast? I went for breakfast. I was like, it's a bakery. I'll go for breakfast. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, we don't open for three hours. Me when I come across Starbucks that don't open till seven. I'm like, what are you doing? Like. Shouldn't Starbucks be like the first thing that's open? It should be the first thing that's open. Yes. (laughs) Now, yeah, that's me reliably being like, well, I can tell my Starbucks isn't open yet because the McDonald's coffee line and the drive-thru right next to it is really busy. And I was like, oh, they went to Starbucks and then had to bail and go to McDonald's. Okay. I see how that worked. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's talk about the major chunk of this episode. Sure. Stephen and Alina. So, Steve and Alina have moved to a bigger apartment since they're going to be living together. The new apartment has much more space and Steven is testing out the couch since that's where he assumes he will be sleeping. After they've all settled in, they take a walk to a park where Steven wants to do an activity that will open communication and bring them closer together. They're supposed to tell each other their strengths and weaknesses and they get really hung up on the weaknesses. Mm-hmm. As Alina tells Steven, she was very hurt with him asking if he could see other women. She then asks him if he did, even though he knew that it hurt her, and he kind of hesitates. He then tells us his side of the story. After they had met in person, he continued to date other women because he wasn't ready to be exclusive, and because he was unsure that they would be able to make the long distance work. Alina assumed that since they were talking every day, that they were exclusive. Stephen only stopped seeing other women like a month ago when they started making plans for Turkey. Later, Alina calls her friend Masha while Stephen is out so she can find out if the honey trap worked. Alina tells Masha that Stephen had been lying to her about seeing other people and she's upset because he doesn't even seem to feel bad about it because he had fun. Masha tells Alina that Stephen didn't really reply at first, but he eventually answered. He said something along the lines of Utah was better to come in the winter, which they both interpret as an invitation. That's a bad misinterpretation. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, Alina wonders if it's just Stephen being polite and how many girls on social media is he talking to? Now Alina is unsure if she's actually ready to get married because she doesn't know if she knows the real Stephen. 
Alina instructs Masha to keep up the charade to see how far it'll go, and she'll make a decision about Stephen later. Later, Alina wants more information from Stephen. Stephen admits that he kissed other girls, and he didn't tell her because he didn't think she would be happy. And he thought she knew that what his level of commitment was. He said he was scared, and dating other people was how he dealt with his fear. Stephen acknowledges that his words probably didn't match his level of commitment because he claims he's a big dreamer and likes to talk about the future just in general. Alina asks that he delete his social media, and Stephen reluctantly agrees. Stephen then tells us that he hasn't told Alina uh, that he's had sex with some of the girls he's dated, and he's starting to realize how bad this is going to be. Later, Alina suggests that they go wine tasting. She insists it's just tasting and not drinking, and Stephen agrees to the, quote, cultural fun. Stephen looks really uncomfortable, and he toasts to not swallowing. Mm. He thinks it smells bad, and he sticks his tongue in the wine in the weirdest wine tasting I've ever seen. He kind of gargles with it and spits it out. During wine tasting, Stephen tells Alina that mm, he's not a virgin. So, what the hell is Steven's deal? I do not get, like, his end game at all. Did he actually intend on marrying Alina? Why was he hoeing around when they were long distance and, like, making plans to, like, see Turkey, like, or, you know, come to Turkey to marry her? And then it's kind of unclear. It's like, he seems that he was like, oh, well, we weren't exclusive. How do you go from not being exclusive to all of a sudden deciding a month before, hey, we're going to get married? Like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, that's that seems incredibly unusual to jump from I didn't think we were an exclusive to this is my fiance. Right. I feel like yeah. there's many, many, especially when she's 20 and you're 24. Right. Right. Like that's the time when people are more not sure about things. I get not being sure about things, but it's a weird I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. I, I People don't. who are not sure don't pretend they're going to get married in another country. Right. Right. And it just – and the thing was is he came – he what quote, unquote, unquote, came clean at the end. But he didn't really come clean because mm-hmm. the impression I got is he's had sex with other women while they – after he's known her. Oh, yes. No, I definitely got that impression too because – he tells her that he's not a virgin and it kind of, you know, cliffhanger-ish. We get right. to see her reaction. Her, her but angry not... face, tight-lipped angry face, right. Right. But we don't get any follow-up of like, well, who was it? Was it these girls? that? Because we don't know if he's going to actually say anything if it was the girls he was dating. But definitely the interview, it very much implies that he had sex with some – and. He didn't even make it sound like one girl. No, he said sex with multiple people. So it's just like, oh my gosh, how in the world are you making this poor Alina, like making it out to be like, oh, we have to be like chaste and holy, like we can't have sex and you're hoeing around. I can't even sleep in the same like room with you because the temptation's too much. Meanwhile, like two months ago, I was banging two chicks. Like, come on, man. Like this. Yeah, yeah, that's. Ridiculous. It's a and charade she's that's it. so ridiculous and it like kind of just infuriates me because it's like it's people like him that really give religion a bad name because the thing that people get really frustrated about and almost angry is the hypocrisy with religious people. Right. right? It's right. like trying to hold everyone to this ent- entirely like 
sometimes unreasonable standard and it's unreasonable in the light of you can't also maintain that standard Mm -hmm. right well i mean the other thing too is i didn't get so that pointed out at me especially because you know the the very judgy about drinking right well jesus Mm -hmm. thinking religion we have much abstain from alcohol blah 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 right but Here's the turn is earlier when Alina was announcing her sanctions or whatever on him, the you must yeah. delete your social media and not talk to anybody who doesn't have a penis, whatever it was, right? Um, is he was like, Well, that doesn't seem fair. Jesus had friends that were girls. Like Jesus did yeah. that. You know what else Jesus did? Jesus drank wine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Mormons though, they believe that you shouldn't ingest anything that alters uh, you know your state of mind so that's why they're very anti they're anti-caffeine too so i mean if we're talking strict more you can be that but you can't then say other things are okay because jesus did them oh sure (laughs) well that kind of goes with the hypocrisy exactly yeah inconsistency the other thing that people get really upset about with people who are religious is you know, twisting the Bible to basically highlight what you want, but ignoring the other passages that maybe imply something that maybe you disagree you with. want to do. Yeah. I yeah, don't feel so. like giving more money to the poor people. That sounds bad. It's my money. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, let's cut our social funding here. <laughs> but, all right, this guy is so annoyingly weird. Because it's not like he's – Oh, he's doing it on purpose. Because, I, because you know. he's obviously doing it on purpose. That's what I'm saying. It's not like he thought, let me – oh, I thought you drank this wine by sticking your tongue all the way into it. He's just so like – it's so fake, right? It's so put well, on. Yeah. So I – my whole thing now and it's and it really only came to this conclusion after this specific episode because like thinking about what the hell is Steven's deal? How do you go from I'm going to not be exclusive with you to, oh, let me go to Turkey with the intention of marrying you. I haven't proposed to you yet, but that's why we're going to Turkey is to get married to then be in Turkey and be like, I don't know if I want to get married yet. It's like this guy is clearly just trying to be on the show, yeah. you know, and this is his way to get on this show. And I don't know what he's going to try to do with this after, but he's being weird and quirky. And I don't know if he's doing it because he's trying to build up his like, uh, you know, Rolodex of girls slipping into his DMs. He doesn't seem like the influencer type to me. I no. think he's like really more so trying to pull a cult where he just hopes that, you know, the notoriety will pull him some ass. So he's so your you're, so your theory is then he's aiming for single life is what you're going for. Yes. Yes. Without actually having to be on the single life. Sure. Well, yeah, I don't know. He would and be I mean, this, I'm yeah. sure the money doesn't hurt either right. because, you know, this kid's young. He was an exterminator, clearly didn't like his no, job that, for I, whatever that, reason. I, that kind of does scan because, I mean, we've been making those jokes for years, right? When we were uh-huh. on the dating apps or everybody was like, this random person from Vietnam messaged me. And you'd be like, go for it. Make yeah. it on the show. <laughs> and of course, we're kidding with each other. But Steven was not. I could see him being no. like, oh, yes, foreign girl. Yeah. Oh, I can make this happen. Yes, yeah. let's go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that it, it really is the only thing that makes – Anything he was doing makes sense. Like, yeah, but really? the thing that still confuses me. Okay, let's say that's his angle, right? Okay. Like, 
Is he playing the religious card because he thinks that will set him apart and, like, get him on the show? Because it seems to me the hoeing around part, it's like, that does not exactly go in line with this, like, character you're creating here. This quirky Mormon kid from Utah, right? Like, how is hoeing around? How does that fit into your character profile? So, I mean, he's a nice guy, you know? Like... The nice guy, not like an actual nice guy, but the quote unquote internet nice guy, right? The one who yeah. is going to be quirky and funny and be your best friend. And then just a tip, right? We'll just slide it right in. Like that's oh, what his angle is. That's what his angle's always been. That's how he, that's how he has sex with these people, right? He's not, he's not the, the confident, like, you know, person that attracts everybody in the room. He's going to charm you and try to disarm you with his goofiness. And then, like, just be like, oh, well, I guess that happened. Oh, we were just tempted. One thing led to another. Like it's Such a wolf in sheep's clothing, and it really pisses me off, you know? It's like, not that I really go for those kinds of guys, like, sure. uh, what I'm going to talk about anyway, but it's just like, I almost appreciate the guys that are just, like, just crassly up front, uh-huh. you know? It's like, you know, they're not trying to hide anything. They're not, you know? It's like, I hate the guy that, like acts like he's the nice guy but he's not the nice guy you know i'd rather just have some random dude who's just upfront and honest about like whatever it is now hopefully they're not as crazy as like you know right out there but i honesty like everything else just seems like such a sham it it does it does and it's it definitely yeah just is crazy that that i don't know that it works better you have to be confidently honest i guess it's also a lack of confidence just to be like yeah, hey that's true. i'm a charming I'm a, I'm a charming guy who's fun to be around and we can hang out but this is what i'm looking for at the end of the night like then mm-hmm. okay like that's what you're looking for at the end of the night and if it's if we have fun all the way a lot around then whatever but at least you know it's up front this is exactly where everybody stands where right. he is definitely they were my friends which i mean makes Alina's demands make a little more sense, mm-hmm. but they're still kind of ridiculous demands. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's all part of her tests. Oh, right. right? Yeah. Um, you know, like, well, will he, you know, and I think she also, to be honest, is trying to catch him in a lie. Like, what if he just blocked her so she couldn't see that? He is or isn't on social media, right? Because it's like if you block someone, it looks to them, it looks to you, it looks like they've deleted their account, right? And then if he still is messaging or able to message Masha, it's like, okay, you know, you've caught this guy in a lie. And so Uh I don't know. I I think it's part like an extension of the honey trap in a way, right? You know, to test him if he really will. If he really, if I ask him to do this thing that he agrees to. Is he going to do it? I don't think he has any intention of it, by the way. Right. And the other thing, too, is, like, I feel that I relate to her in a lot of ways. Now, I don't know if I would have ever had the courage, I guess, to really, uh, you know, put an ultimatum on some on someone like that. But, you know, when I was younger and dating and insecure about, you know, someone – you know, my relationship with someone, mm-hmm. it would have like decreased my anxiety so much if that person wasn't on social media. Right. And so like in the end, I kind of feel it's survival mode for her. Right. Sure. What is the biggest source of stress for me? Him on social media, me worrying about the women. I don't I, I don't know. I, I I don't know that I would 
at least the social media stuff is like semi-public and if they slip up, I can see it. Like it, I just feel like going off social media is like he's still going to talk to all these women. He's just going to do it with like signal or like – or like right, but I think it's harder to meet people if you don't have a social media account. And I don't know she's necessarily worried about the people that are in his life right now. It's like worrying about, you know, it's like constantly having to worry about someone new, mm-hmm. right? And and so this is the other thing. Like the bigger issue is, and I think she'll eventually learn this on her own, whether it's through this experience or just life experience. It almost doesn't matter. Like I know it makes you feel like – you know, by taking away this particular temptation that everything will be fine, you know? And it's kind of like those people that get jealous over a particular individual, like a coworker or, you know, like a friend from the past, you know, it's or an ex or something. And it's like you, they fixate on, well, if this person wasn't around, there would be no one to be jealous about. Right. And, Sure. You know, fixate on it and they just think, well, if this person wasn't around, it would be so much better. If that person wasn't around, you'd just be worried about someone somebody else. Somebody else. There'd be somebody else it's, or it's something else. It's the relationship. Else. It's not an individual person. Totally. And it's, you know, usually that person's representative of something. And it's like if they truly are flirting with someone else, they just flirt with someone else, you know? So it's like, yeah, it might be that person right now. And you're right. Mm-hmm. But it's just going to be someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, let's go to the other group that took up a huge chunk of the episode, and yeah. that was Ari and Binium. Oh, I felt so bad for them. Hey, oh, yeah. So so Avi is on the way to the pediatrician to check out this, um, quote, bulge in his groin area, according to Ari. She's worried that they'll tell her something horrible, but she hopes it's just a first-time mom overreaction. and They'll just be like, whatever, it's normal. So as they des- they describe what's going on and then Avi pees on the doctor like he always does and it doesn't take long for the doctor to diagnose that it's just a hernia. But it does require a minor surgery to fix. But as soon as the word surgery starts comes, uh, it starts to freak Ari out and she wonders if maybe they can put it off until like he's a little bit bigger so the anesthesia is a little safer and whatever. But the doctor is pretty clear it's just better to handle this as soon as possible. So her and Binium talk about it outside and they're both pretty scared, but Ari doesn't want to start freaking, start really freaking out until she has a chance to talk to her mom. But even now she's thinking that it might be better to have this surgery done in the States, which really pisses Benny off because he's like, what's wrong with the Ethiopian doctors? And they do this surgery here all the time. But in reality, it's not really about the doctors. It's about him reliving his past with his other ex who went to America with his kid and then never came back. So a little while later, Benium is getting a haircut and explaining to the barber that Ari is not the same white girl that he brought here before. And oh, God. It doesn't – we don't get very long into the haircut when Ari starts making pained faces and saying things like, I want to tell you something, but I'm afraid to talk to you about it. And turns out what she wants to tell him is that she's made the decision that she wants to take Avi back to the U.S. to get the surgery. She makes the argument – that it's because it'll be cheaper because she has insurance in the U.S. even after the cost of airfare. So at this point, Benny just starts to stammer about like not agreeing and I don't like this. And then Ari starts to stammer and she apologizes. I'm so sorry I'm doing this and grabs her head and cries. And in an interview, Benny tells us that um, he was resentful that she chose, chose such a public place to tell him this. And while he doesn't yell, he can't like even sit still for his haircut anymore and he has to stand up for a break. 
So he's understandably afraid that it's just going to be a repeat of what of what happened with his ex, especially since he says that his ex kind of did the same thing before she left, um, kind of convincing him with tears. So he starts to beg her to stay and then she drops what I thought was the real bomb of this whole thing, that she already bought the ticket and she leaves next yeah. week. It's kind of messed up. Yeah. So Benny kind of goes into a mode as like with this Leandro thing and then gets – ends up, you know, saying a bunch of stuff about that and then leaving to take a walk. So Ari's not feeling great either and she just like sits in a barber chair for a while and then follows him. So he kind of catches her in the middle of a street and gets on his knees. It is the median, not like the middle, middle of a street. And he gets on his knees and like begs her to stay. And she asks him like, you just have to trust me and try to think about this situation objectively. But right now he's just like, Ethiopia is better. So later on, Ari brings in reinforcements, a video call with her mom, Janice. Ari tells her the situation and Benny says, talks about his reasons why this makes him so upset, like his ex, the fact that she hid the, that she bought the ticket and how there won't be, you know, a nanny there to help her out all the time. So Janice does reassure him. But at the end of the day, he still feels pretty betrayed since he knew how this would he knew that how this would end up going. He would rather her stay, but he knows that he can't do anything and just asks her to promise to return. And well, another promise he made was that she would be the one that had to tell his sisters about the trip back, which she's going to do during her fish out of the water segment at a traditional Ethiopian spa. God. The spa, which starts with a nice vagina smoking and then hair butter and cough, face coffee. And anyway, she talks about it and asks what the face, the smoke is all about. And apparently it's for uh, tightening things back up after the baby's born. But anyway, after everything is all melted and her hair and face and apparently her crotch, she breaks the news to them. They can't they, – they, they're just kind of sitting there dumbfounded and she tells them that she'll be back in one month. But Wish kind of goes into the same mental state that Benny does. Like she's like, you say you're going to be back in a month, but people change their minds. This actually seems like you hate us and you're trying to get away from us. And Ari says that she's hurt that despite all her efforts, no one trusts her. All right. So – Let's take for granted that the best thing to do is to get this surgery in the United States. Yeah. Okay. But just – I don't know about that. We can talk whether that's true or not later. Well, but like, forget if it about is, that. Like the expense. Yes. I mean that in itself, right? Because it's these people are hurting for money. Benny has a job where he – it relies on non-COVID times. Yes. Right? He's a dancer. He's an entertainer like – it's impossible for him to be making the same kind of money, you know, pre-post-COVID, you know? So it's just like money is probably an issue with them right now or at least a consideration. Yeah, but I also didn't understand – I don't think I quite understood why she has insurance in the U.S. Yes, that I was confused about. It's like how – Because she's, she's over 26, right? Right. It almost makes me wonder if she's still married to Leandro and like is getting like spousal insurance with him. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. That, that. that was a suspicious part to me. I was like, wait, why does she have insurance in the US if she lives in Ethiopia? Like, yeah. And because it does make sense. The expense does because she's right. The cost of a surgery is probably less than more than the cost of a plane ticket. Um, mm -hmm. Although it is definitely one of those ones that's like, the doctor's kind of right. Like, yes, it is a surgery and yes, it's always concerning when, you know, a small child has to have a surgery. But like hernia surgery is yeah, I thought very it was minor standard. surgery. It is very – it is pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's an outpatient surgery. It's not like he's going to be in the hospital or anything. 
I know, but you know how she is. She freaks out over everything. She is yeah. like, it's almost annoying how protective she is sometimes. And it's just like, irrationally so. Mm-hmm. Like, remember the whole, like, uh, what was it, the circumcision thing? Yeah. It She was incredibly frustrating, like, you know, yanking him out of the procedure because he was crying. It's like, it's a kid. It's going to cry whether or not it's having a circumcision. Like, right. calm yourself. Right. It's like, he doesn't know what's going on. You, Come on. You put a newborn baby on a cold table to do anything and it cries. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Crying. And she was just like, oh, my gosh, he knows what's happening. Like, eh, you're going to scar him for life. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I've known people who have hernia surgery, not necessarily as, a, as toddlers, but like. Right. Right. Adults, and it's sure. it's like like a week to recover from it. I mean, it's not yeah. even it's, it's not even I don't think as bad as when you had your, when people have tonsils out. Right. It's right. pretty much along that same line. It would like maybe a little bit more than when you have when because another toddler surgery that happens a lot is like the tubes in the ear. Uh-huh. I think it's along those lines. So it's not like we're talking about him having like this huge giant complex surgery that like no. I need to. Ha- and, and that's where Benny was coming from. Right. At least that's one of the things he was coming from. It seemed like his real coming from was just complete panic mode. Like, don't take, don't leave, oh, don't leave, yeah. don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. You know, and this is why this is such an impossible situation for both of them. Because how can you really reassure someone who has that fear? The only thing that is going to prove anything to him is when you come back and you know during that time he's gonna just be super fearful that you're not gonna come back Mm -hmm. so it's like there's nothing she can do in that situation to make him feel better but it does seem kind of shady too from his perspective if she's already made the decision like i don't know i think it's one of those things where you kind of have to at least pretend like they have a say in it yes because they already feel a loss of control like you know, but she he, she didn't even include him in the decision making process. No. Right. She just, you know, bought a ticket without telling right. him at all. And so to him, it feels like an absolute loss of control. He didn't have a say. It's like, at least fake it, you know, like, oh, let's I mean, talk it's about de- it's this. definitely her. And that's what infuriates people, I think, about her is she didn't say we need to come to a decision or we need to discuss this. She said, I've made a decision about my son, right? Yeah, yeah. And I agree. It is a very frustrating thing because she does. She treats the baby like it's hers and hers alone. Yes, right. And he doesn't – it doesn't matter what he says. I've made a decision. Um, yeah. and, and I can try to convince him or bring him on my side. But at the end of the day, the decisions are mine. And it's uh, – and that is infuriating. But I think that's not – you're right. That's not what scared him. What scared him is – what you were going around behind my back and buying plane tickets and stuff that that if you were already shady. worried, if you were already worried about this woman might not come back. I know you can't fully reassure him until you do come back, but going behind his back and doing it without talking with him first makes it seem like you're not coming back. Like that definitely right. make it makes it seem like, oh, this is not all above board. Something weird is going on here that you're not telling me everything. Well, yeah, that's the other thing, too. Is she going back to Indiana? Or is she going to New York slash New Jersey? Sounded like she was going to New Jersey because yeah. she mentioned to the sisters, well, my dad works at the hospital and he'll make sure he get they get the best doctors. And so they're probably going to get it done like at Princeton. Yeah. So then why is Benny even bringing up Leandro? You know, he doesn't live there. He lives in Indiana. Right. But it was, it was all of a sudden Leandro left and then 
I have to go back. And maybe, maybe you're right about the insurance thing. And when she brought up the insurance, he was like, was well, this a Leandro thing then? Or did he say, yeah. did he say to do this? If it's, if yeah. it is his insurance, which would be fraud. Yes. Fraud. I well, believe. okay. So let's, <laughs> but maybe she's still on his insurance from when she was married. Right. If you get divorced, do you have to be off you that person's insurance? You definitely do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. I I, I, I got divorced, you know. and yes, you do. You have to get yeah. off their insurance when you get divorced. <laughs> no, no. I it's my insurance. I had to oh, I had to kick somebody off. else off. Yeah. Oh yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I actually know someone who has been basically separated from her husband for ten years, and they're still legally married. And people actually don't know that they're legally married, but it's for the insurance. For the insurance. Well, and yeah. it's one of those things where I feel like. I'm not sure how that how the laws in that work either. If some if a, some adjuster really wants to get together and be like, uh, "You guys are clearly divorced and you're only <laughs> staying married for the insurance," we're not giving her insurance anymore. I don't know if that's yeah. a, I don't know where that how that works or where that works. It might vary state to state, but I wouldn't be surprised. Insurance companies don't like paying what they don't have to pay. I know, right? <laughs> well, I mean, if you're paying the premiums, why does it matter to them? Oh, no. Yeah. So it wouldn't be until you made a huge claim that they'd be like, wait a second. Like they they continue to collect your premiums. Yes. Oh, sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of what's happening right now. Right. 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 That's that's right. Because, yeah. Well, I mean, insurance companies really don't even like with paying what they do have to pay. Sometimes that's a big enough pain in the butt. All right. So let's talk uh, Jenny and Summit. So Summit is telling Jenny about his meeting with his parents. He doesn't feel good about their reaction to his news that they're engaged. He got a call from his mom later that day telling him how upset she was and threatening him, saying she will make his life hell. Jenny says she feels bad and doesn't want to destroy his family. Summit tells Jenny the reason he lies a lot is because his dad taught him to lie just to keep the peace. Summit explains that his mom had a daughter that had died from jaundice at a very early age. And so she really takes a liking to the women in their her son's lives because they're like her surrogate daughter. So his mom had loved she had loved Summit's ex-wife. So when he got divorced, he describes it as her happiness was taken away from her. Summit's mom feels helpless. Jenny thinks that Summit's mom needs some professional help because she can't seem to control her emotions or anger. Summit agrees, and they kind of go down this path of, you know, we should get them a psychiatrist or a family counselor. And they just think it's necessary for his parents. All right, so it's nice that Jenny and Summit think that that's what his parents need. Do you think his parents will agree to go to counseling or see a psychiatrist? I think they would agree to go to family counseling if Summit is there and they can just yell at him the whole time. Like that, they would go to yell at Summit. They wouldn't go to heal. They wouldn't go oh, to try to sure. mend the rift. They would just go be like, you tell my son that he's he's dating this crazy old lady and he needs to break up with this crazy <laughs> old lady. And if the therapist is like, actually, that's not what I'm here for, they'd be like, then we're done. You tell my son to get break up with this crazy old lady. Right. I could definitely see that too. They, uh, Yeah, they would probably just be de- – I think they are desperate enough just to find anyone who would back him up, mm-hmm. have some kind of influence on him. And if they thought that, you know, he's the one, you know, uh, instigating this whole thing that maybe he would listen to the counselor. But right. I, don't, I don't know what a counselor is going to do for them, to be honest. No, no. They're all just so stubborn. And Summit isn't even that stubborn. He is and he isn't. 
You know, I think he he is stubborn in what he wants, but he kind of presents himself like he said, like he's just trying to make people happy. So he's just lying to their faces, but he's still going to do what he's going to do. Yeah. And it just it's effective therapy does really require that people want to change and want to make things better. And be on board. Like yeah, it's sure. definitely that's the stereotyping of a failed um, couples counseling is when they both go in there being like, they're going to take my side and tell you, you need to fix it. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's like, they're not going to do that. That's not how it works. And like, so it looks like, but I'm saying they're looking for the same thing. Submit's ideal therapist would be like, listen, your son's happiness matters. You should let him stay with this old lady right. and shut up about it. Right. Just be done. But well, I mean, what do you think a therapist would say? I, the, I mean, the therapist, it's not their job to be the solution person. They're not, you know, right. they're not, they're not, um, you know, they're not, it's not like arbitration. It's not like you both come in there with, with your dispute and they say, here's the answer to the dispute, right? It's, right. it's them trying to just facilitate you talking. Do you think it's different in different talking. countries, though? It could be. It could be. and Because weren't, there was an incident, remember, when um, Tim and Melissa, they went to a therapist and we were kind of surprised that that therapist actually took sides and told them what to do. And you're just like, that's not how therapy goes here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, it doesn't it, – it, it, because nothing – nothing can really be resolved if it was resolved because somebody else said – I take your side. You were right. Let's move on. Because in the next dispute, it's going to be like, well, whose side is he going to be on now? Who would the therapist say? It's got to be – it's more about like finding your own ways to resolve your issues. Yeah, and kind of coming up with the tools to do that. But I just – I don't think any of these people are – They don't want the tools. Yeah. They just want yeah. – everybody Everybody in this entire situation just wants things to go the way they that they want right. them to go. Yeah. Yep, they want to. They want their way. Exactly. They want their way, and said that's not going to work. But like, I don't know. It sounded, and I, I, it's one of those stories where he made his mom sound so psycho and so bad that I was like, I'd like to hear somebody else's version of that story. <laughs> like, I really would. I um, don't know. Did he, what part did you think sounded psychoed? Um, the part where he was like. Um, my mom was so crazy that, um, and got so angry that my dad told us we all had to lie to her, um, to, or else like she would explode on everyone. Like that's bad. That makes her look terrible. Uh, that's funny that you should I say that I, because I, I, yeah. when, when he was going through that, I was like, oh, that's like my mom. <laughs> my dad still lies to my mom to this day for things that he, you know, doesn't want her to get upset over like every year this happens i swear it's the same conversation i don't know why it keeps on happening but it's like i'm gone you know usually for christmas this isn't new news i have when was the last time i was actually in the country for christmas it's been a while Mm -hmm. so you know and i always tell my dad months and months and months in advance and then usually around thanksgiving that's when my mom gets to find out and then she always looks at my dad did you know about this Dad's like, nope, I did not. You know, it just lies to my mom because he's like, oh, I don't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to be – for one, he didn't want to be the one to tell her because he didn't want to get yelled at. And two, he, was, you know, didn't want to pretend that or say that he had known this entire time because then he'd really get in trouble for not telling her before. Yeah, no, my parents don't work like that. And that's what that, – that's the way it goes. If, if you tell my mom or my dad something, the other one it just assume that they will know instantaneously. Like as That's soon as funny. the phone hangs up, the other one's getting told exactly what happened. 
Because that's what I say about my mom. Like, if I tell my mom something, my dad will know. If I tell my dad something, there's no guarantee that my mom will know. In fact, she probably won't know. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, no. But but that's the thing is, like, I don't have to – I mean, certain things, you know, when you're, like, young and a teen. But now that I'm an adult, I don't have to keep things from them. If something's going on, I can tell them something's going on. And it, they might be dismissive about it or not care, but it's not like – it's not going to be like – Oh, no, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. Oh, like, that is definitely the household I grew up in. And so, you know, it was. And I think my sister's kind of like that. She very much would do these little lies because she was just trying to avoid getting in trouble. So, mm-hmm. like, what he was saying, I was like, oh, yeah, that was kind of like my family. So, to me, like, when you say, oh, that's so psycho, it's like, yeah, it could be psycho, but it also seemed kind of normal. <laughs> yeah, no. At because that's, that's, that's the thing is like – and maybe it's different. Like it's always been that way in my family is like mm-hmm. if you did the little lie, like – Yeah. You get more trouble for lying. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it would be like and, – and to the point where I, – I, I'm the same way with my kids. I was like – Yeah. I wouldn't have even cared moment at all. I wouldn't have cared at all that you – I don't know, left this glass of chocolate milk on your bedside table. But then you covered it up with a blanket and now there's like gross stuff in it. And I was like, why? Oh, my God. (laughs) Why? Why? And that makes me that makes me more angry than anything that they could have possibly done when you're like telling the lies to hide stuff. And I was like, why would you not tell me that? Like that. That's the part that, that, that is just very different. It's like well, as a gotten... teacher, I will say that pisses me off the most is when students like bullface lie to me like and they think like I don't know. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's my first rodeo. You know how many terms, times I've heard that excuse? Come on now. Yeah. My, mine is like oh, – mine is yeah, – I definitely say things where I'm like I, I, I've had moments either towards the end of the years or even the beginning of this year when I'm like, listen, I know – that you all got the answer from like, you know, James over yeah. here. And they're all like, oh, shit. You know, like, yeah, I knew. Like, I'm not dumb, guys. Like, I know yeah. what's going on. Oh, my gosh. I know. <sighs> all right. Um, so, we did not hear from Corey and Evelyn this week. And that was the only one. Uh-huh. So, from this group, who was your student of the week? It was tough. I so guess tough. I went with Binium because he really, really wanted to freak out. And he oh, really, yeah. really like was – trying his best to maintain some kind of logical consistency or, or yeah. just like not be because i know when i get as upset as he does i just start yelling random things that don't make sense when you put them together i become completely mm-hmm. incoherent um and just like it's tough yeah that's why ari almost made my dunce because i was so pissed that she did that you know it's yeah. so manipulative like she did she put him in a spot where she's just like where can i get the least amount in trouble Right. You know. How about a place where somebody literally has like sharp objects near his head? Oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, my student of the week, like I said, it was very, very difficult. Yes. So I went with Armando's dad. All right. You know, making progress, uh, embracing someone in Kenny's family. It was really awkward that he couldn't get the necklace like on her. Like he tried oh, yeah. to and then didn't. And then it was, she was like holding it up. It was weird. I mean, it was sweet that he made that he had the necklace and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. What about your dunce? So I – um. I actually went with Alina, as bad as, you know, what's-his-face really is, usually is, Stephen. Yes. Like, I just thought her – everything she was doing, she's, like, setting a thirst trap, honeypot, yeah. whatever she's doing, completely yeah. misreading the results. 
Right. 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 Like just that the fact that they were like, we need more data points. It's like, yes, do you? <laughs> yes. That sounds like an invitation. Like if somebody said that, hey, it looks beautiful there. Where are you? I would. And you went like, oh, you should really come out in the winter. It looks even better. Yeah. That is not an invitation. Over to their house. <laughs> that is not an invitation, even a little bit. And like just her draconian like things like you you have to stop talking to all of your girlfriends everybody who's a girl so stop talking to them also delete your social media and like it's like that's too much if you don't trust him you don't trust him and you need to break up but you can't you can't do that to him that was my biggest frustration like why are you gonna keep on going like it's kind of like that whole like you can't prove someone's like never gonna cheat on you right right you can only prove that they can cheat on you so i kind of feel like she just keeps on looking for like that opportunity for him to like mess up and it's like well why are you creating these opportunities for him to mess up right what's like, wrong with he, you if you're even at that point just like move on yeah yeah if you're at the point where you're like i feel like i need to test them to see if they would cheat and then like then you think they would cheat and yeah like either have that conversation and figure it out or get get out of there yeah Right. Uh, well, my dunce is Steven. Sure. Uh, mostly because it's like, what are you doing? Like, you're just trying to hoe around? Like, what's going on? That doesn't make sense. Why are you trying to get married to this person? Like, fine. You want to hoe around? Hoe around. But don't, like, pretend like you're all chast and you want to be chast with this other person that you're going to marry? Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it de- – <sighs> It's definitely gonna come up where she's gonna be like, "So you were, you were, you were fucking all these other women, and telling me we have to wait." Yeah. Like, what the Why? hell? What it the hell? Makes no sense. Right? Because she, and especially because he did it on this. Well, you have that's because you have to convert to Mormonism and that th- yes. thing. And he's gonna be like, like she's. I can't imagine she's gonna be in on this Mormon thing. We already had. Her being like she's giving up wine and the little parties and getting a little tipsy. I feel like her trying to get him to drink wine was really that. She's just like, well, let's, you know, do this thing because this Mormon thing isn't working for me. It, yeah, I, I could see it. I could see it. Planting the seeds. All right. What about your life lesson? All right. So my life lesson is it's never your place to decide whether somebody else needs therapy. <gasps> That's like, what mine was. <laughs> been like eye to eye like i swear the last three life lessons right yeah Uh, yeah yeah just because she does it well your sounds like your mom needs therapy it's like sounds like you're not a psychologist jenny like how about right and also like what's the point like you can't count on someone else going to therapy or counseling and quite honestly uh, so i had mentioned to you before about my life lesson like i personally like i have been told by someone like a Mm -hmm. friend at the time who uh, wanted a break as friends, right? And she had told me, she's like, I think you're in a really dark place. You need to go to therapy. (laughs) And I could not have been more offended by that. sure. You know? And, you know, like, even looking back on this, and this happened, like, almost 10 years ago, right? Looking back on it, like, how I kind of see that situation And granted, it's from my perspective is I really felt like, yeah, I was definitely depressed, but I'd just gone through a major breakup. You know, this was someone that was like a significant part of my life. And yeah, I was, yeah, I was depressed. I'm not going to say that I wasn't, but I kind of felt like she was projecting her stuff onto me. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I took the normal amount of time to get over it. 
Uh-huh. You know, like I, you know, wasn't like incapable of doing daily things. So I don't know. Like just and then to want to be on a break, like as a friend, I was I very offended by that whole thing. And it also like just the stubborn part of me is like, I don't need therapy. Like you're telling me I, I don't need it, you know? And right. Sure. I, I generally agree that everybody could benefit from some kind of therapy, you know? So I'm not saying that, you know, like, oh, I've never go see a therapist. I've seen a therapist, you know, enough times in my life. But, you know, in that particular time, like, it was super offensive and I don't think super relevant. Yeah. It's just, I mean, and part of it just comes from also, this is my, my like teacher training, right? One of the things they always tell you when you're doing like the special ed meeting is do not under any circumstances tell a parent that you think their kid should be in special oh, ed. God, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't do that, right? And so that I kind of feel it's the same way. It's like you are not uh, an expert on this. You don't know right. what is there. And at the end of the day, I mean, my belief is that therapy only works if you want it to work. Absolutely. That's the other thing. It's like, okay, well, maybe I went to go see a therapist, but it's like, why are you here? My friend told me I needed it. Right. Okay, now what? <laughs> right. I mean, and we heard this like from from I think it came up in life in life after love after lockup one. It was like somebody was like, yeah, he took me to a therapist and I broke him. They couldn't fix me. Yeah, I was oh, like, yeah, gosh, stupid Doug. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. If you don't want to be fixed, a therapist will not fix you. I promise you. Right. Right. So yeah. I, yeah can't count on someone else going to therapy to solve your problem totally <laughs> all right so uh i feel that darcy and stacy might have had their season finale or at least a break because i think they said they're coming back in the winter okay so if that's the case i will do a write-up for next week and <sighs> i think we're due for a roundup a probably roundup. probably yeah Okay, so those will be coming soon. All right, sounds good. All right, so uh, we'll see you all next week. See everybody next week. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.